0: Welcome back to the Peaked Too Early Podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 8. Uh, we had, uh, for the first time in quite a while, a impossible amount of matches happen in between podcasts. Um, but hopefully, to discuss as much as we can in one hour or less, uh, I am Blake Munchell. I'm joined by the ever-lovely mm-hmm. Oscar Saywell. Oscar, how are you doing? Hello,
1: I'm pretty good. We've been, we've been really hitting the hour mark fairly consistently, I feel like, for a long time now. We're veteran pod makers now, Blake. We, we know what we're doing. Yes. So I believe <laughs> yes. in us. How we've are you? We've been
0: good at being less than an hour and also recording in between each match day so that we never get a pile up of matches. Uh, but this is, I think, the first time this season where we've had some, like, 16 matches happen.
2: Uh, even though we recorded less than a mm. week ago, yes, um it's that but... silly season again, you know,
0: yes, um, I would say the best time of the year uh I can always watch soccer, it's always on, um, which is lovely, and also it is the approaching of Thanksgiving, which means you and I will have a thanksgiving day tournament to play yeah oh god um, which is I'm the only thing that to do hits properly through.
1: um it's gonna kill me um <clears throat> uh you know this was this is the time of year that we were all freaking out about when the calendar fixtures came out a few months ago we pointed to this kind of year all about you know everyone who talks about football and we're like the players are going to break down because this is way too much like they're just playing too much so far I mean, there's been injuries, but no one that high profile, I feel like. I'm still waiting for Harry Kane to get an ankle injury two weeks before the World Cup and be out. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just wanted to sort of mention that because we're in that time of year right now.
0: If Harry Kane were to go down injured for the World Cup, who would
2: you want to lead the line for England? Ivan Tony. It's very fair because that man
1: has no England experience but has all the confidence in the world, so why not? Well, Callum Wilson, but his say, fitness is an issue.
0: Yeah, but it unfortunately, really... England does not get to play West Ham, so yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately. Callum unfortunately. Wilson might not score in the World Cup. <laughs> um, I did. I did text you and I asked you. Could do you think you could guess the 55 man shortlist for the England squad? And I just will ask you, do you think Callum Wilson is on that 50 man? 55
1: man, first list? of all, I don't. Did I even reply to that? Text? I'm sorry if I didn't. I definitely you did, it. and then you um, said,
0: I don't think I could.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I stand by that. Callum Wilson on the shortlist, I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, the are you saying the, so you're saying not the 26 but the 50 the 50 thing, a
0: 55
1: man? On oh, 55 man, absolutely, he's on that list. There's there's no way he's not on the list. I think it's even like if he keeps this up for another two or three weeks, he could be on the 26th, Maybe, um, just because Southgate's called him up before.
0: But also, yeah, he's in better form than DCL. You know, I don't
1: think DCL will go too little too late. I think if something happens to one of Tammy. Or Ivan Tony, Callum Wilson is a sure, sure pick. Um, and I think right now, because Tammy Abraham has not had the best start to the season at Roma, he might be on the plane instead of Tammy Abraham, despite the fact that Southgate clearly favours Abraham as his backup striker to Kane.
0: Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Um, in terms of picking Tammy Abraham, he also tends to, you know, pick. Youth sometimes over actual experience, um,
2: yeah,
0: but you know, I think there's you know there's some merit to that, but I disagree when it comes to bringing Tammy along. I think he's made it quite a few times more than he should have hmm. um, but we have a ton of matches to talk about, we uh, do good matches we this weekend. under an hour, oh, uh, we gotta chug on, we do uh. Well, I guess there's no better place to start than Blake's five minute of gloating. Mm. Uh, I will just start by saying Miguel Almiron. Uh, Yes. You know. One of the best seasons a winger has had at Newcastle in a long time, which is something we say. Week in, week out about Newcastle. It's the yeah. best striker performance we've seen in a long time. Best winger, best midfielder, best defender, best goalkeeper performance. You know, I guess we're just a good team. Um, so, he scores an absolute cracker of a goal. Uh, we'll ignore Jordan Pickford's poor fin- or poor uh, positioning on it. And we'll just call it a really good goal by Almiron. Uh, to beat Everton 1-0 um, in a pretty toothless Everton match. Um, they got one shot on target, and it was from like 25 yards. Um, and Newcastle were pretty wasteful. Um, they, you know, failed to convert many, many chances. It was a total stomping of Everton, though. Um, And then... Uh, probably my match of the season so far for Newcastle. Uh,
2: mm.
0: Except, you know, Newcastle three, Man City three, because that was a pretty incredible result. Uh, but Newcastle defeating Tottenham Hotspur two one, uh, in a match that was way way more dominant than the scoreline uh, suggests, yeah. and even potentially, I don't, I don't believe Tottenham should have gotten their goal. Um I think Davinson Sanchez touches the ball and that puts Kane in an offside position and therefore their goal should not have stood. But, you know, whatever. There was no way that Tottenham were going to score two at any point during that match. Um,
2: no. I guess
0: it, this was kind of the match where Newcastle made Tottenham look really, really bad. Um which has caused a lot of frustration for Spurs fans. Um, it was a match that, like, totally eliminated Min Son and Harry Kane, except for, you know, a total of ninety seconds throughout the match, um, which saw Harry Kane score and also Heung-min Son get one shot on target.
2: Is beautiful. Uh, Newcastle's. Like if you compare
0: Newcastle and Tottenham's squads, um, I guess I'll open this up to you.
2: Who has a better backline, hmm. Newcastle or Tottenham? Oh man, um, that's a great question. Wow, um, that stumped me. I think that. Uh, oh, I don't know, Blake. On That's fine. form, That's it. Okay, well, okay, okay, okay. Uh, my
1: answer will be that I can't tell if you just keep it really neutral, um, but if one of them is on form, then they're better than the other. So, you know, I mean, because you've added people like Sven Botman and Dan Burns, and Keon Trippier is literally like a monster of a player, age thirty-two, like just one of the best fullbacks in the league. You know, these players are really significant Pope in there as well. But then I also think that that, you know, Eric Dyer, despite being terrible in the most recent match, um yes, that Tottenham played. And maybe also in this one, I'm not sure. Um has turned a-, a corner. Um what's his Romero, is that his name Romero? Um the guy they got yes. from Atlant- Atlanta at Um he since Conte has come in Has been really, really good. Lloris, I know that he he made a big mistake um, against you guys, but he is also a really, really good goalkeeper. Um, You can tell that I'm thinking out loud because now I'm wondering whether it's actually just Antonio Conte that's made the defence look better than they are and really uh, that Newcastle's players... Player for player are better. I'm not sure. I don't want to waffle on too long, but I think that's a great question. Um,
2: what do you think?
0: I think Newcastle do have a better defense mm. than Tottenham. I think Otman, amongst yeah. all of the players in the at the central defenders for both teams, is the best player, and I think Fabian it... Cher is the second best player. Oh, then probably Cher, I forgot about Romero is number three.
1: It's it's one of those questions that you instinctively are like, oh my God, of course Newcastle's defenders are worse than Tottenham's because that's what Newcastle has been for the past decade. But I think it is a mark of their progression and a mark of things to come that you give pause and you're like, oh wait, hang on a second. This this team in Tottenham that has been in and around the top for, for years actually has a defense that's on par or maybe slightly weaker than Newcastle's. Um so yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and and you know on the defense, Eddie Howe was known as a manager who literally could not coach a defense. I remember, I think on a pod talking about it when he was appointed by you guys, and yet now they have the best defense in the league, and it's not yes. e- it's not even like they spent huge amounts of money on their defense. Even without the I'm, I'm gonna call it blood money of the Saudi Arabians, they could have made this defense um, if they just had a normal billionaire who was willing to invest a little bit. So. Yeah, it says a lot.
0: Yeah, it's actually funny. Um, We have spent the most money on our defense, uh, which is hilarious because our big issue before Eddie Howe was we could never score goals, and we've spent way more on our defense than on our um, attack. But yes, um, Eddie Howe had never conceded fewer than 60 goals in the Premier League um, until... I guess he just hit his 38th match in charge of Newcastle. Um, and He's <laughs> conceded far fewer than 60. Um, yes, number one defense in the league um, in both clean sheets and in goals allowed. Um, mm. Yes, he has made Newcastle quite the defensive monster without having us play very defensively. Um, this... Uh, I'm trying to think of the other point I wanted to make about this match. Um, uh, one, I haven't always been the biggest Conte fan, but, uh, a lot of respect for him. He was very gracious in this defeat, um, and also was kind of over-the-top, uh, like, complimentary of Eddie Howe. Um, I think they there's a lot of mutual respect there. Um, yeah, it was an excellent match. And then my final point uh, is Bruno Guimaraes had his kid uh, about 36 hours before this match, um, and he said that he hadn't slept the night before because he was up with his kid. Um, and then Eddie Howe yes. he was like, you know, the reporter asked him about that, and he was like, oh, I didn't know that. I probably wouldn't have played him if I knew he didn't sleep last night. Yeah. Um, So, very funny little quip.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think it was all emotional, wasn't it, Um, for for Gibberish, because he was talking about how he is just so happy at Newcastle, and how the fans cheer him, even if he makes a, a pass that goes sideways, and he was talking about how at Leon he had difficult times in the dressing room, and difficult times with the fans, and he just feels so great, and he was happy that his son has been born, and he hasn't slept in two days, and all that stuff. Very cute. I actually had a question for you. Um, Is Bruno Guimaraes your franchise player? Is he your David Silva? Um, Absolutely. You think so? Yeah.
0: Yeah. um, Rumors floating around today that Chelsea are preparing a bid for him in January. Which one? You know, I can't imagine a bid high enough to. No, to tempt Newcastle to get him. Um, But two, you know, there's really, you know, even for two hundred million. You know we could get a really, really good player, but I don't think we could get a player who's as good and also loves Newcastle as much and also is as important to yeah. both the team
2: and the fan base as Bruno, so yeah. yes, he is definitely my franchise player cool um, yeah, you know uh' the
0: world is crazy for Newcastle right now, um up in front of is. place um which is much alike West Ham uh in the past 2 seasons 2 seasons um, yeah so i enjoy. know how it feels to be in your situation enjoy <laughs> yes i will try to um
1: <laughs> no i don't think it's going frankly i don't think
0: it's going to go away um but i think it yeah. it's it's just i think it's impossible for good things to happen for too long um yeah. Like yeah. there will be I mean you're gonna have setbacks. Yeah. Yeah, a setback at some point and um you know it's a great feeling to aim for fourth and land sixth than to hope not to get relegated at the end of the year. So you know, I'm even happy with eighth, ninth, tenth. Even the tenth is, would be a real shame at this point.
2: Is top four realistic. I don't think
0: so. I don't think realistic, but nothing about Newcastle has been realistic this year. Um, That's true. Except, I guess, sensible signings, but just, I don't know, it's, I've never seen a Newcastle side that really takes it to a big six side, like Newcastle did against uh, Tottenham, or like how Newcastle did in the first half against Man U, and how Newcastle did in the first half against Man City. Um, Mm. So I suppose maybe it is realistic. Maybe I'm a little bit too much of a cynic to say that we have a real chance at fourth. Um, I'll tell you, Arsenal fans sure think that uh, we have a chance at fourth. Um, I think that's mostly them happy that we beat Tottenham. Um, Okay, that is enough talking about Newcastle, our Mm. podcast. We try to not make go for two hours anymore. Newcastle pod. (laughs) Um, Okay, where do you want to talk about? I'm happy to talk about any match or any team. Can I talk about Everton? Absolutely. Cool. Um,
1: Everton beating Crystal Palace 3-0 with goals uh, from Dominic Calvert lewin Anthony Gordon, and Dwight McNeil. Um, And Everton are continuing their incredibly impressive turnaround. Um, I specifically, in this match, wanted to highlight Alex Iwobi. Because why has he turned into prime Gooty, Blake? That is my question. What has happened? Is Frank Lampard uh, the person that we should be lavishing praise on? Um, Are we seeing a trend? Can this man actually turn players into really, really good midfielders. Um, Before you answer that, I just want to mention that, yep, Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored. We talked a little bit about him at the beginning of the pod. I don't think that he will get on the plane to England, but Gareth Southgate was watching. He was in the stands, and it was a great goal. Uh, He took a touch that nutmegged a Palace defender that was very unlike Dominic Calvert-Lewin and showed maybe some of the confidence um, that he
2: was exhibiting, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, and, yeah, listen, I think
1: the the Dwight McNeil goal in the 84th minute was the pick of the bunch for me because of Alex Iwobi. I'll bring it back to him. Um, Dwight McNeil made a driving run close to the box, and passes it off to Iwobi, who slams his way into the penalty area, and then does a little back heel pass for McNeil to slot it away. And um, I mean, all of the Everson players did that thing where they pointed at Iwobi and it really just capped off a great performance from him. Um, and I don't know, I think you probably hate Alex Iwobi because you, you do see, typically hate, he's the ex-Arsenal youngster and you don't like them. But um, I'm really happy for him. I'm really pleased for him because he always seemed like a, a pretty humble player. Uh, and he was ridiculed for the move to everton it was a it was an expensive move. i think he has been pretty bad for everton over the past year and a half in the first year and a half to two years of his of his um time there and in the past maybe you could even say eighteen months ago he started to to show some potential, but certainly this season and and the back of last season um he he's shown to be one of the best midfielders of his type in the league. Um, And yeah, I'm happy for him, and I want to highlight him. And Blake, what do you think about his transformation?
0: I will preface this because you threw me under the bus. Uh, I'm sorry. uh, No worries. Um, It was a deserved throwing under the bus because I do hate ex-Arsenal youngsters. Sure. Um, I just, you know, I'm sick of Liverpool and Arsenal youngsters being brought up and hyped and being sold for 20 million and yeah uh, or more and never really doing anything. And I can't believe Premier League teams are so foolish to think that Arsenal and uh, Liverpool youngsters are actually this good. Um but is Alex be worth the 40 million they purchased him for? Uh if he keeps he,
1: this up he is.
0: I mean if they had bought him last summer I would say yes, but they didn't. Um, you know, the 40 million came with a lot of growing pains with Alex Iwobi, um, which I guess, you know, he was what, 21 when he came over. So, um, maybe they were needed growing pains, but yes, he has been incredible this season. Um, he, uh, is,
2: I'm trying to think of like
0: a great way to describe him that that isn't, you know, super, super basic. Um, but I guess I would just describe him as a pretty low center of gravity player, um, which is strange for a guy who's six one or six two. Um, but you know, when he's carrying the ball, he's like his body is low to the ground. He's bumping off players, um, progressing the ball quite a bit. Um, and in this match, he didn't play. Did he play as like a box to box? I'm trying to find the.
1: He's not a box-to-box player, but he is dynamic, right? And he does eat up a lot of ground. So I don't think that you're going to see him do much deep-lying defensive work because that's why they bought Anana. And I actually think that's why Iwobi is playing so well this season because Anana. And by the way, it looks like we missed out on an absolutely sensational player in Inanna. Um, because Anana is that deep-lying... Uh, uh, you know, break up the play, carry the ball... Uh, protect the ball, player, um, and it allows him to be freer. So I think Alex Awobi is playing in the, the upper two-thirds of the pitch, if you see
0: what I mean. Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess there are probably a lot of these players where they play in a system, and we talk about them as being not very good, and then there's a slight change of system, and a different player brought in, and they all of a sudden start looking like a lot better of a player. A la Right, uh, <clears throat> Joe Linton being moved back into the midfield, and then all of a sudden Sean Longstaff looks a lot better because he has Joe Linton to cover a lot of uh, Sean Longstaff's weaknesses. So, you know, this is right. Alex Awobi getting pushed up, not being asked to defend as much. Therefore, he can spend more time forward. He has less space. He needs to progress the ball in, and, you know, that makes him a lot more... Of a catchy player to the fans' eye, um, mm. I guess that's what a good manager does—is you know find these combinations of position groups to, you know, show off players' real qualities. Yeah, yeah,
1: and I'm so not, and I'm, then is a, you're saying, Frank Lampard is quality manager. I
0: was going to say I'm, I'm not calling Frank Lampard quality, but but, you but do you think
1: he deserves credit for
2: Everton's uptick in form? And the way that they're playing. No. Not at all. Simply because for ninety
0: minutes against Newcastle, the match before this, he literally did not change his tactics at all in the entire yeah. ninety minutes. Kept Anthony Gordon on the pitch almost the entire match. Let Anthony Gordon lose the ball six or seven times. Um, mm-hmm. You know he's like not seeing these very obvious issues. Um, so he can get credit for the Onana. And be fixing Everton's midfield. But, you know, they're still... He, after the Newcastle match, he then started Gordon, who I suppose had a very good match. But also Damari Gray, who had an even worse match than Anthony Gordon against Newcastle, somehow got the start again. Um, which is not the sign of a good manager. You know, like loyalty to players who are out of form. When you have decent players on the bench... Um, You know, I think that's a sign of a quite a bad manager. Although maybe that's just me with Steve
2: Bruce. It goes to Steve Bruce, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, well, sorry for throwing you under the bus. I thought you um,
1: answered that very well. So, yeah, uh, I think I, alongside you, have been a very vocal critic of Frank Lampard. I want to still be that. However, I do think he deserves some credit. because because this Everton team were horrible and it's broadly broadly the same personnel and they are playing differently this season um, and Palace are a good side and they they I mean Palace were poor but Everton really thrashed them so um yeah watch this space
0: where do you <laughs> want to go next? Uh, I would like to ask you a little bit about Leicester City and yes what exactly is in the water. I um, don't know round those bouts beating Leeds 2-0. Um, eating wolves who wolves love, yeah. uh Concerning. Oh, in trouble. They uh, are in genuine trouble. Yeah, and all of a sudden Lester are out of the relegation zone, and Blake uh, has a little egg cooking on his face.
1: Mm, not yet. Well, I think actually the, the, the thing I have in my notes is that Lester look like they are in a false position, and wolves definitely don't. Um, and I think that I've spent several months clowning Brendan Rogers, who is a man that I kind of don't like. But this game, Wolves are abject, but away from home, this is a very, very impressive performance. And can we shout out that? Yuri Tiedemann's goal. Oh, my God, what a
0: goal. Okay, let me preface this Wolves-Leicester match because... So, statistically, this is a match Wolves should have won, uh, undeniably. Wolves, more shots, more shots on target, more possession, better passing, fewer fouls, blah, 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 blah. Also, a XG of 1.89, Leicester with the XG of 1.14, and score four goals uh, to zero. So, I suppose mm-hmm. you know this isn't like a Leicester absolute domination in every
2: aspect. This is yeah, Leicester it's being true. It's clinical. clinical. Um, Wolves had twenty-one shots, so. But yeah. Um. You still there? Hello. Yes, I am.
1: Oh, sorry, you went so quiet for a second. I was like, "Where'd he go?" Um, I that Yuri Tiedemann's goal was really really lovely to watch and I think it's I I think that half volleys are my favorite kind of goal because it's just that maybe it's because when I when I do it on the football pitch it feels so good for some reason I think it's something about catching it at the perfect time and sort of you can guide the ball and make it curve so so easily on the half volley but um, Tiedemann's, you know, if that if that wonder goal is, is a mark of things to come from him, it, it'll only do Leicester the world of good because I think he's been underperforming for the last year or so as question marks have cropped up about where he's going to go next and no one is picking him up for some reason. Um, you know, I think that um, Madison... If we're talking about a fifty-five man shortlist, despite the fact that Gareth Southgate does not like him, I think he has to be in contention for that broad of a you know of a scope because his goal-scoring form and his overall uh, attacking play this season has been really, really top tier. Um, he's been at times the only bright spark in in Leicester's really poor season. And then the last thing I'll say because. I'm trying to get better at not ranting at you all the time. Is I want to talk about Jamie Vardy because slightly forgotten man Jamie Vardy scores a goal in the 79th minute and he is just he's literally just a the definition of a shit house. This this man comes on, he scores the fourth, he then proceeds to howl at the Wolves fans. Then he waves his hand on his nose, right? and screams, you fucking stink, at the Wolves fans, why, for what reason, what vendetta does he have against Wolves fans, nothing, he just does it for the pleasure of being a shithouse, and I I just, he's, I mean, he's already a Premier League legend, but he has some iconic moments, I mean, that is up there for me, with the palace flapping his hands like a bird, um, such a strange man. He really is such a strange man. I just had to throw that in there.
0: Yes, I believe this is also his 100th, 100th goal over goal. the age of thirty. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's like... And he celebrates like that? Why? He, I mean, it's just, it's, you know, apparently also he's back on the drinking a Red Bull on the bench before he comes on. Um, so, you know, I just, I don't even know. When is he, you know, he's slowed down for sure. I mean, he's not the player he used to be, but I kind of hope he just plays until he's in his early 40s because I'm not ready to let go of Jamie Vardy yet.
0: I would love to see him be a player that, like, in four years, we're like, I wonder where Jamie Vardy is, and you look it up and he's, like, in League One. Yeah, just um, tearing yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, which I think. I think he's got the personality to do so. Um, I think he's going to be the oh. player who you know runs until his legs fall off.
1: I mean, I think, and he 36 five thirty-six in January. I, I think he'll probably still be around for Leicester for a while yet, because despite the fact he's a maverick, I, he does not give them trouble. He's not a troublesome player. Um, you know, he's not a D, He doesn't seem like he's a diva, and, um, and because he got his start so late. It means that there's 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 energy left in his
0: legs, so. Right, yeah, and I don't know. I suppose Leicester are going to be uh, in a pretty good run these next few weeks. Um, I think up next, I guess next they have City, but they also have Everton. Never mind. I don't know what I was thinking. They actually have a terrible next few weeks. Man City, West Ham, Newcastle, and Liverpool. Um, West Ham's not terrible. Well, it could be. Neither is it, Liverpool at this rate. Okay, fine, but they're both at no, home. No, I'm just kidding. I know, I know. Yeah, both at home. Um, yeah. Um, on James Madison, uh, definitely should be on the plane to England. Uh, one because he's an incredible player, um, and two because he can play any of the front four positions, um as he has in the past and he's played pretty much each one of them extremely well. Um actually he also deeper um into the midfield has also played there and also played well. So you know, I think it's good to have, you yeah. know, a player with that type of experience, that type of versatility, that type of energy and he's a willing runner. You know, he's got pretty much everything you'd want. That yeah. be specialist, although England are Kind of, they have too many set piece specialists at this time, including the best in the world in Kieran Trippier. So
1: Kieran Trippier, mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah, that's the Leicester dilemma. Um, you know, I I think even if they don't get relegated, I'll still be able to hang my hat on my prediction because it was correct for so long. Um,
2: yeah, moving
0: on. Um, I suppose we should talk about Liverpool. Uh, a 1-0 loss against bottom of the league, Nottingham Forest. Um, I didn't watch this match, unfortunately. I wish I could. 24% possession and you escape with a 1-0 win. Uh, hmm. That would have been lovely to see.
2: Uh, did you watch this? Um, I did not watch this one. Did you? Nope fantastic in a perfect position to talk about
0: it then um, yeah just I guess I don't know what do you sort of like what's your gauge on the pressure on Klopp and fan you know, um uh, pr- pressure from fans versus pressure from team versus pressure from ownership what's kind of your sense on that
1: I don't th- I don't think there's any pressure um at least no pressure of being removed from his position. I think that Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool are allowed to have a dud season. Um, It's inevitable really transitioning. It's about whether Klopp... It's about whether at the end of the season, the owners still feel that Klopp is the man to do that, or that Klopp himself feels that he is the man to do that. I think there's a situation where the contract is terminated either way Um, and I know he just signed a new one recently Um, let's not forget that this team beat Man City recently right Um, and that was they were really 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 good in that match Um, and so it they have the capability still they're still not out of the top four race they're out of the title race they're not out of the top four race I believe that and they're still in a bunch of cups they can still win trophies this year um and in fact you know it it might get their blood up that they're doing so badly in the in the league and and I think that Klopp for example is he's a good manager in a in a tournament uh, for example I think he's a better manager in a tournament than Pep Guardiola so I think they have this might sound crazy but I think they honestly might have almost as much chance of winning say the Champions League as City do because City just seem to to throw it all away all the time just regardless of how well they're doing in the league um well,
0: we've seen that yeah a few times recently right when chelsea won the champions league most recently weren't they in like the in the premier league no they weren't they got top four mm-hmm. but they weren't very good yeah someone recently won the champions league while being quite low um yeah you know and it gives you yeah, the ability sure. to focus on you know, like if you're pretty much guaranteed to finish between, you know, tenth and seventh, yeah, you can feel a lot better about allocating resources to the Champions League.
1: Yeah, yeah. The only other note I have on this game is that Taiwo Aoni only scores shit goals. Right, I did and see that's the goal. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. He's a hard player I mean, not to root for, though.
1: I just wish. He yeah, he is. in Berlin. I, I I suppose shout out nottingham forest right i mean or at least maybe steve cooper forest backed him he's clearly going to be there for the long term this is a great win and they are firmly in contention for survival i think they're better than wolves right now um so you know they're not dead and buried uh and they have still plenty of time to to haul themselves out of the position that they're in and more performances like this will get them there
0: yeah, it was something that I was thinking about um, earlier. Is that you know I, it was when I texted you about West Ham jumping from seventeenth to tenth, and you were like, "Oh, well, you know, it we can really easily get pulled right back down into it." Yeah, this is much like it was last year, a very very tight Premier League all the way through. And last year we talked about how this might be one of you know the best Premier League seasons ever because. Things were so tight all the way up until January. Um, However, last year, things fell apart really quickly. (laughs) And uh, the league was decided by, like, April 15th. Uh, So hopefully that doesn't happen again this year. But for now, things
2: are extremely tight. Yeah, they are. They already are. Um
0: there are a few other matches and teams we can talk about. I would like, <clears throat> I would like to, uh, shout out Fulham, a team that we've already shouted out, uh, quite a few times this season, but back to back statement wins, uh, over Villa that got Gerard sacked, which we can talk about in a second. Uh, and then a three, two, I believe it was a come from behind victory. Um, Yes, it was. Um, to beat Leeds. Yes, it was. Um,
2: yeah. Fulham are straight up um, Newcastling this season. Um, yeah, they are, aren't they? And yeah. I just feel that, I mean, when you have...
1: Well, actually, I have more to say on Leeds and Fulham, but yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it's, a, a again, a good reflection on Marco Silva, and I think that it. Was what he was doing with Watford years ago until he got poached by Everton. Um, and this time, hopefully, no one's going to try and poach him and Fulham will continue this trajectory. Um, I can shout out once again Pereira. I think he got two assists off corners this match. Um, you talked about having an egg frying on your face, or whatever that phrase is regarding Leicester. That's the same for me with Pereira because I literally said that this was one of the worst signings I've ever. Seen and he's been amazing. Um, so you know, you know that something's going well when, when you've got Willian scoring goals in the Premier League. So, um, right,
0: yeah, and shout out Polinia. Uh, incredible, is so good, uh, he's
1: so good, man.
0: He's what, what, yeah, he's like definitely the most important player for Fulham. Uh, just in that, uh, in matches he hasn't played. Fulham don't win in matches he does yeah. play, Fulham wins. So
1: And I just yeah, I, the the thing is with Palinha is that this is what every team in modern football, or the way football is right now, should be doing, right? It's not it's not even that Palinha is this world class player. It's just that he's a very good defensive midfielder. And Fulham have identified him and got him in. And it it's like Manu have Casemiro now, but this is what teams like Manu have been struggling to do for like a decade. It's not it, when a team like Fulham does this, it just feels like it shouldn't be that hard. You identify a defensive midfielder who does everything really solidly, and put put them in your team, and your team will be better. Um, and yeah, he's just been great, and he's really fun to watch.
2: Yeah.
0: Very, what yeah, do you, very um, talented player.
1: What do you think about Leeds? Because I think Leeds are actually a good good side with good players. And I feel like I feel like they might be unlucky, but then again, like I see the horrible defending offset pieces like I see in this match. And then I'm like, well, Jesse Marsh, hello. What do you think about Leeds?
0: I think it's pretty much the same thing I said about them last season. Um yeah. you know, they have a good team. They have Lots of quality players, you know, throughout their team. None of their quality players play in defense. Um, Pascal Stroik, I don't I don't see it with him. He's highly rated, I suppose, but I don't get it. Liam Cooper, I don't rate. Robin Cook, I don't rate. Luke Ayling, I don't yeah. rate. Um, you know, so, you know, as good as Jack Harrison can be, you know, Rodrigo can be, Melier is a great goalkeeper at times. You know. Young. it's I, I you're not gonna do too much with a bad defense in the Premier League. You know, those things just don't work out. So I'm kind of I'm kinda in the same opinion I had of them last season.
2: Cool. Yeah, it makes sense. I think uh
1: Jesse Marsh can't weather too many more too many more defeats, to be honest with you. Um but I kind of you know, like him despite myself, i I think he has he can get a team playing some good football he has some good ideas, and I, I do think Leeds have been unlucky, so
0: yeah, you've been hopefully, living you've been living in the u s for too long I think I
2: have America hopefully America's he level. will hopefully he'll sort of you know he'll he'll turn things around um I suppose Blake, we should talk about Aston Villa.
0: Yeah, um, we can talk, we'll just, you know, got stomped by Fulham uh, in a, you know, thoroughly deserved, you know, got smashed match, Um, then uh, turned around and with their interim manager absolutely destroyed Brentford 4-0. Crazy. uh, Which I guess is what the post sack bounce can do for a team. Um, Maybe. What a weird match. I like. I wonder, what they, they were really good though. Is it like the yeah. energy off the fans because they sacked an unpopular manager, you know, can turn a team full of yeah. Mavericks like Coutinho and these guys mm. into a and Buendia?
1: Yeah, Buendia was the one that was playing, wasn't it? Um,
0: well, I poor, so
1: um. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I I think that you've touched on the right thing there, where the the Villa fans really didn't like Gerrard at the end. Um, And I think maybe we can talk about Gerrard another time. It's an interesting point in his managerial career. But, I mean, yeah, what is it? Um, I think that the interim manager played a much more dynamic team. Gerrard's problem was that he was playing this incredibly narrow formation that was not releasing... Villa's attackers properly, and the interim manager played Bailey on the left, Watkins on the right, Ings down the middle, and he had he had Buendia floating. Um, and you know, we ha- all of a sudden they had wingers hugging the touchline, putting balls in, cutting in, shooting, and I mean, I, guess, I suppose Ings was doing the thing that they bought him to do, and scored two goals in seven minutes, and and you know, suddenly, yeah, okay, I, you can see how. They are getting a bunch of goals now. Villa have been absolutely dreadful, uh, defensively. And you know, they they had pretty much the same lineup in defense, um, and and really weren't troubled by Brentford, who by the way, when they lose, seem to lose really badly. And they are on a very, very bad run of form right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Villa, uh, this is what they're capable of, um, and you know the the it'll be interesting to see what spoiler alert, Unai Emery, who is the new villa manager, will do. Because um the interim manager took a really big decision in dropping McGinn, who Gerard obviously famously stripped Mings of the captaincy to give it to McGinn. Interim manager drops McGinn for Leander Denonka, who I frankly forgot moved there from Wolves. And Dandonka and Louise ran the show. Um so yeah, I mean, they've got a really big squad uh, full of very, very talented players. And Unai Emery has unfinished business in this league. Um, he, I think it was unfairly... Me- Honestly, he was memed by Arsenal fans by the end of it. Especially, I mean, the most unsavory stuff is this, this is a dude who speaks five languages and everyone was obsessed with the fact that he apparently couldn't speak English well, well which I don't did. think was ever true. Yeah, right. Um, he spoke English very yeah.
0: well, just had a heavy accent. Yeah, he just has
1: a heavy accent. Um so definitely unfinished business in the league. I, I do think it's kind of sucking when managers leave teams in the middle of a season. I don't I feel bad for Villarreal. Um but I'm interested to see what he does with this team.
0: Yeah, totally. Um I'll start with just Aston Villa um and this match against Brentford. Um shout out Danny Ings um in the walkout. His mascot. Oh uh, yes, had sensory issues, and so he wore headphones um, as a sign of camaraderie, and that's really cool. He's um, done yeah. it before, apparently. Yeah, that's you know a really which is really cool. nice thing to do, um, and yeah. it's uh, the good side of football. Um, yeah, but apparently uh, I was listening
1: to a couple of um, journalists just heaping praise on him, saying that he was one of the nice guys in football, which is you know always
0: nice to hear. Yeah, he does not look. Like, he does not look like he
1: doesn't look it, does he? No,
0: he I think it's because like,
1: his resting face is. He always he's always scowling.
0: Right. Yeah, he looks like the guy you know, your average five foot six guy at a bar who's way too aggressive yeah. after two beers. Yeah,
1: tattooed up, but apparently yeah. he's a nice guy, which is uh, which is nice.
0: Yeah. Um. Second point, Leon Bailey. Uh, one of the most beautiful sets of eyelashes on a Premier League Oof, player.
1: He's a yeah. He's a he's a beautiful man. Yeah, that's sure. it's
0: pretty crazy. Um, I won't yeah. call him beautiful. He's only five six. But uh Oh hush. Um but yeah, you know, I think this is like five a, ten it says here. Five ten. Oh, really? Five, six. He looks tiny. Yeah. I think he's pretty tall. Um Yeah, you know, a good win for Villa. Um I like to see interim managers win. Um yes. it's always nice. Hamilton. Although it always feels a little bit unfair to then go sign a world class manager within what like twelve hours <laughs> of this four-nil win? Um, yeah, but, you know, I, I suppose that's Aston Villa's aspirations. Um, yeah. As for Unai, um, I'm not sure. I think he was harshly treated, of course, by Arsenal fans because Arsenal fans can be you know, quite dickheadish. Um, yeah, that's horrible. Considering where they were when he took them over. Just he didn't really progress them. They were already really shit when he joined them. Um so you know, I think it's you know unfair. He just didn't really advance the squad. Um so maybe mm-hmm. that's a slight sign of concern at Aston Villa. Um but I think, you know, Aston Villa are, you know, Overwhelmed with cash. Um, they kind of seem to be taking the Everton approach to uh, this Premier League season. Um, and so far, it's gone the way Arsenal went, or sorry, the way Everton went. Um, but I think, you know, Unai Emery, he's an overachieving manager um, in terms of the quality of the squad. You know, he'll get them to high places, and he'll get them to succeed past their inherent quality, um, which I suppose is the sign of a good manager. Maybe with this underperforming Aston Villa side, he can really you know, get the most out of them. Um, yeah. yeah. And I don't have too much else to say about Unai, just because I don't really... I don't really understand why he would leave Villarreal right now. Um, I guess they're they're really poor in the La Liga, right?
2: In the league, yeah.
0: I guess he's jumping ship.
2: Um in an attempt to uphold his uh oh, they're actually
0: they're doing okay. They're in seventh. They're no Sevilla. Um But yeah, you know, I don't really get his reason of leaving Villarreal. I think you know, he had the he couldn't not succeed at Villarreal i think um so it's like a risky appointment especially considering his legacy in the premier league or his the, his legacy already has taken a hit in the premier league you know, I, th- I think it's a risky return but i don't know we see these managers back themselves all the time so <laughs> i will not be hoping no. for his success um, you know i hope he fails miserably no um any other matches you would like to talk about? You know what? Not really. I'll mention uh,
1: West Ham beat Bournemouth 2-0. A couple of... Con- well, just controversial. We didn't play very well. Not even controversial. Fine, move on. Um, not move even on. controversial, just straight up probably wrong. Um, and yeah, no, I think, I think I'm good. I think we've touched on the particularly interesting games. Um, I've got... City romping past Brighton. I don't know.
0: Uh, yeah, Chelsea won, Man U won, um, which was 87 minutes of the worst match of my life, um, which I think I called on the last podcast. I think I said this would be the dud match. Um, and then in the last seven minutes, uh, it came alive, uh, which a good match does not make, but um, yeah. it certainly got talked about a lot. Yeah. Um and then uh the other thing you texted me about Southampton Arsenal I oh, believe yes. about Enketia and L- Lian Sao Lion Lianco Lianchao uh, yeah I don't know he's Lianco I think Serbian half Brazilian so I don't know how to pronounce his name um I don't know but uh afterwards Arsenal fans were fuming um and I learned that in this match he committed ten fouls. Oh a my perch, god! Through a headbutt, uh, and escaped with only a yellow card, and it was for the Katia incident. That's um, kind
1: of that's kind of awesome in a way, you know.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, Southampton kind of you know uh, could build a team of bad boys. Um, they could that would be kind of cool. But there's too many youngsters.
1: I mean Armel Bellacotchap is never going to be a bad boy. Like he's yeah, going to that's say. not going to happen.
0: Yeah. Like um yeah, especially with a name like Bellacotchap. Um yeah. yeah use it or physically- Romeo
1: Lavia, like have you seen that smile? Like there's no way.
0: Yeah. Um and who got the goal in there? it was um Stuart Armstrong, right? One of the worst Premier League strikers of all time. Um, um, winger.
1: No, Stuart Stuart Armstrong is the other one,
0: isn't it? Yeah, he's the winger slash striker. Oh, Um,
1: I don't think he's one of the worst. No, I mean, I mean, he's yeah. I remember how badly I wanted him
2: at West Ham 10 years ago. No, Stuart Armstrong is like 24, he's 30. No,
1: he's not, dude. He's young. Thinking you're of you're thinking three. of the wrong person.
0: Oh, I, Stuart Armstrong
1: right. is twenty. Oh my God, he is thirty. Yeah,
0: yeah, I am thinking of the right Stuart Armstrong. You're thinking. Of I was the thinking of the other Armstrong.
1: Armstrong. My bad. You're thinking of Adam. Armstrong. Um, I'm thinking of Adam Armstrong. No, but Stuart. Okay, okay, hang on. Then, but, but okay, I was wrong there. But you're wrong. And Stuart Armstrong is a midfielder. He's not a winger, come striker. He's a he's a he's a, he's a CM. No, he was and a right mid. You, no, he's not, dude. He's, he's not. He's not a striker. He's okay. He, I so, I, I pro, I swear, I, he, I promise you, he's not. He's like a right mid, slash, C M at Southampton. I'll grant you, maybe a Celtic a little bit more attacking, but previously, like he's a mid, he's a definitely a midfielder. It's not, it's not a striker.
0: I'm trying to think who the Scottish striker winger is.
2: Ryan Christie. No. Che Adams.
0: Nope. Uh, yeah, I'll, it'll come to me the second we finish the podcast. It's
1: fine, uh, probably. Um, yeah, the, Adam Armstrong is the other one. That's the dude I really wanted. He is 25, he is also not a very prolific striker. Um,
0: yes, he has struggled. Yeah,
1: well. uh, Southampton, uh, who knows? Honestly,
0: yeah, I think Street Street side quite. Yeah, uh, I didn't watch this match, so I don't know too much, but people were talking about how this was a super should have easily been won by Arsenal and somehow Southampton got won the lead, I believe. No. Yep. It was the match before, right, against West Ham that Southampton got the lead and then lost it. Um, yeah, Southampton continue to be the side that Lord knows what exactly they are. Um, yeah. Somehow still out of the relegation picture.
2: For now. Somehow. Um, anything else? Um, I guess your nah. opinion. Do you think Unai is going to be a success at Aston Villa? No. There you go, I, don't. Folks. I think Unai Emery
1: is a very, very, very good manager. But I think he notoriously underperforms in the league, and I don't think he will be able to get Aston Villa to a European spot in the Premier League. You're saying he can win the FA Cup and get them. I, maybe yeah. uh, he could. I mean, he's honestly maybe unparalleled in world in European football in a, in tournament in tournaments. I mean, I the man can definitely win tournaments. Um, but I think that, like we've been saying, L- Villa have very very high ambitions and they don't have the structure to achieve them and i'm not sure hiring unai emery is going to change that
2: yeah
0: yeah that's fine i also yeah i agree with the whole i don't know if aston villa are going to uh the management is going to be willing to give a long leash to yet another manager right um, i think they're going to wolves this thing
2: uh, snip, yeah. snap, snip, snap, just cut managers at the first sign of struggle. Maybe. Um. I
0: have really enjoyed talking about like what we think is going to be a great match and a dud match, because I think we've both been doing a ah. really good job at pegging what is and will not be a good match. Okay. Um, I normally make you go first, so I'll go first this time. Um I think Newcastle Aston Villa will be quite the poor match. Um okay, just because mm-hmm. it tends to be it tends to be very stop start. It's a very emotional game um because there's somewhat of a rivalry there. Um yes, and it almost always is like a foul fest with lots and lots of yellow cards. Um so if I had to make a prediction, I think it's going to be Joelinton red card. Um It's been coming. Somehow it hasn't happened yet. Um, He's just so, he can be as, you know, he's an incredible player. Um, Possibly the most important player for Newcastle this season. Um, But he certainly is hot-headed, and he certainly goes in with reckless abandon at times. Um, He's already gotten two red cards this season, just neither in a competitive match.
2: Um and then my dud match. Um I don't know.
0: Arsenal forest. Um
1: Yeah, I was eyeing that as a dud match as well. I was gonna
0: say it's either gonna be just like a very standard victory for Arsenal or both sides are gonna play like shit and Nottingham will have twenty percent possession and it'll be 0
1: Maybe. Um I'm gonna pick
0: Fulham Everton as my
1: great match. I think these are two interesting teams. Um, If they both decide to play free flowing, it's going to be high scoring. Um, And I could see Palace Southampton being a pretty dud match, but Bournemouth-Tottenham will probably be awful as well. Very fair.
0: Uh, Any closing thoughts, my friend? I got nothing. I think this was a fun pod. Yeah um and we're almost exactly on one hour so thank you for all thank you all for listening to uh episode eight of season three of the podcast please like rate review and email us um yes and uh, good luck to whatever team you support unless you support everton thank you bye bye